Friday and you're listening to TGIF, the podcast that brings you all the hilarious conversations about your favourite or not so favourite horror movies. I am your host Kat and this week I am joined by Emily. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Uh, You're welcome. Thank you for joining me. I'm so excited. Me too. (laughs) I'm excited (laughs) about the movie we're going to talk about. (laughs) Yes. Okay, so um, before we get started, can you tell... um, Tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah, um, I'm a writer and director. Um, most recently, I wrote and directed a segment in the horror comedy anthology Scare Package, and which is on Shutter. And um, I made my first film when I was 12. I made a zombie movie, and that's chronicled in a documentary called Zombie Girl the Movie. And uh, and then I've had a few other features, some in the horror space, like I have another horror comedy called Method Eating Romance. And then a few in the kind of coming of age uh, space, I have one called Grow Up Tony Phillips and one called um, Coin Heist that I made for Netflix, which is a teen heist movie uh, based on a book. And um, and then I've done a couple of horror shorts. Uh, last year I had a horror short on Snapchat called First Kiss that came out on Halloween. And was that last year? <laughs> what year is it? Yes, I think it was last year. 20, no. Maybe. Nope. I think it came out 2018. And, it, and then we, we also played at South by Southwest 2019 with that same short. And, um, and so, yeah, I have some, a lot of teen stuff and some coming, so some coming of age things and then some horror and horror comedy. And that's kind of my space as a writer and director and my history. That's so awesome. I, um, I've always wanted to write like a, a horror movie because I've got like this idea in my head and I was like, should I write it as a script or as a book? So I'm still deciding which route I want to go with it. It's interesting because with a book, um, I've actually adapted some of my scripts into books. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, like one that I've, I've really like worked on and then a couple of kind of started, but it's, it's so interesting because in a script, based on what you know people are going to read and what they're going to see there's some stuff where you could kind of say like the room was dingy and then like the scene starts and you that's enough for the production designer to go off of and you know like the actors aren't going to read seven pages about how the room was dingy you know because they want to get to their lines so you know like how to how to use your space as a screenwriter because you know it's kind of you want to make a good piece of something to read but you know it's kind of the blueprint for the movie as well but with a book, like that's the final form. You have to create yeah. these images and people's imaginations. And that's, um, I, I have a harder time with that prosy style of writing, but I love reading. So it's, Oh, I'm a it's huge so reader. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, I think to be any kind of writer, you want to be reading all the time. And, um, so it's, it's cool. I think you could make it, write a script and then translate and it, turn it into you know, a the, book. the structure. It's, it's really fun to elaborate on ideas that are one sentence in a script or just like one line but you don't know what's going on in that person's head you know um and to kind of explore that world a little bit it's it's fun but then you also already know the structure from having the screenplay yeah I don't know anything about writing screenplays so (laughs) I'd be like I I guess this is it the the big rule is there are no rules (laughs) that's all you need to know I want to write about a sleep paralysis demon that's about it that's all I know that I like it is. That. I was like, that <laughs> I is. I like that a lot. And because I've had my own experiences with sleep paralysis, so I'm like, this. I could just write about my sleep paralysis demon. Like, that's all I need to write about. So, if it's personal, it can be even scarier. I think. Yeah. Things that that really scare you. You know, that can 
and it can be cathartic at the, at the same time. That sounds really cool. I would for sure watch that. And um, I, I think, you know, in Scare Package, um, the anthology that we, that kind of connected us because you, you liked it, you saw it on the uh, other. Liked it is an understatement, <laughs> so. A <laughs> fan. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, we were thinking about horror tropes and things that, yes. but in a loving way, things that we yours all is a lot of. You do have a lot of the tropes in yours because you open Scare Package with, um, who's your character? Is it Mike? Michael? Michael. Yeah. 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 And I just loved it because I was like, who is this weirdo at their house? And he's just a concerned neighbor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all the, all the, you know, the babysitters that are, yeah. you know, <laughs> not as aware of things, but, you know, trying to defend themselves. And you know, it, I mean, there's a lot of things that we were um, kind of just playing with, but in a, in a fun way, not like, yeah. you know, not because we think horror movies are stupid. Obviously not. We're all huge fans of the genre, but it's, you know, there was a lot of like thinking about what are things that I see often in horror movies and what can we do that other horror fans would like, you know, to see <laughs> like yeah. an awareness of, I don't know. Um, so I forgot where I was going with that, but uh, I, I think I think you start off with things like that in your in, when you're writing a horror script. I do. I kind of think about like, what have I seen with, you know, some of my favorite horror movies? Like, how do they start? What happens around page, you know, 30, page 45, page 60? There's like uh, kind of every 15 minutes, there should be like something changing. So I'm like, what is what is it like in Nightmare on Elm Street? You know, if I'm yeah. going to make something in that style or because it has a very different structure than like, it follows which is much more dreamlike and you know weird and you kind of hang out a little bit you know so there's horror movies have so many different you know structures you can you can play with as a writer it's like one of the most fun genres to work in yeah because you can literally there are no rules for horror nothing i mean obviously comedy follow and and um like uh uh, rom-coms have their own formula where mm -hmm. you know this happens but nothing like supernatural happens or scary happens and it's kind right. of like it has you know these very definitive moments throughout the whole film with horror you could literally just put whatever you want in there and it, as long as you can make it make sense yeah <laughs> it's and there it's for a reason <laughs> right you're not just like trying to insult the audience's intelligence yeah. or anything like that but but if, the more you can kind of even subvert or surprise people that's that's delightful you know because it's it is a genre that's been around for a while and you know there are quote-unquote tropes you know that, yeah. that that people think about um but it's there's always I, I think everyone has their own perspective every writer has their own perspective and it's I would love to see a horror movie from every working director and writer like it's just they would all make something different and interesting in the genre it's just um like the I don't know the amount of um influence Jordan Peele has had on on horror in the last yeah. few years as someone who like 10 years ago if you were 10 years ago I, I don't know when when Keen Peele was on and you're like this yeah. guy is going to change the horror genre <laughs> you would be like well, he's really talented but I'm I'm surprised you know yeah he's very he's he was brilliant outside. I'm yeah, a huge fan yeah. of Jordan Peele and Ari Aster so yeah, yeah. really different style of, of horror that people hadn't seen and I'm just excited when anyone from any previous genre or any previous work comes into the horror genre and brings their own ideas it's always very inspiring um yeah I don't know horror, horror fans I feel like are very receptive if you're trying yeah. if you're trying hard and then other horror filmmakers are very you know supportive I, I mean I've, I've 
thought so, you know. They're like hard we did everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, or at least on our film, like, I felt like all the um, scare package, because there were a lot of directors, like, everyone was very kind to each other and wanted to be supportive. And with horror comedy, you know, you have a setup that's like, you know, uh, with, with horror, you're setting up a scare, you know, you don't, you can't just have a scare, you know, you're somebody jumping out, you have to have the setup to the scare, because that's, that's more, you know, that raises your adrenaline more, like wondering when the thing's going to jump out than when it actually jumps out. So it has the setup and the punchline, and so does a joke has a setup and a punchline, and so that it's a fun genre to work in when you're alternating that, you know, the horror and the comedy, but you're using the same structure, kind of. Yeah. It's very complimentary. It's like complimentary colors on the color wheel. Scare package just really, I love horror comedy. Like, I just adore it so much. And the uh, the segment with um, uh, Bob Joe in it. Mm-hmm. Where, yeah, with Chad, <laughs> and he's like, Dad, yeah. and he's like, I'm not your dad. <laughs> like, I loved that so much. Yeah, he's like dying on the ground. Sorry, spoiler, but, spoiler, <laughs> like, but get away from me. Yeah, yeah. he's like, Ew, not me. Yeah, I it's just, really funny. And people, I think a lot of um, people who aren't fans of horror. kind of very critical of horror comedy because they're like that wasn't scary and it wasn't funny and it's just like yeah but you don't maybe you don't get it yeah it's not not for everyone yeah exactly there's some you know maybe maybe a movie is scarier percent i i remember when shawn of the dead came out there are people that were not into it's so good (laughs) it's like a perfect movie but yeah when 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 it came out like i remember people that weren't really horror fans that friends of mine you know they were really scared the movie gets kind of you know it starts to get serious towards the end and people are dying and um and it was kind of like a borderline like horror movie for people that i knew that weren't into horror and then yeah horror fans were like cackling at it yeah. so, <laughs> and so but it, but people that weren't into horror they could see some of the laughs at the beginning especially before things got dark but i i feel like it's interesting like the spectrum i feel like that movie has like a very equal balance of horror and comedy yeah. it's so complimentary and but I feel like it hit people in different ways, like if they were more susceptible to the scares. And I don't think of it as like a movie that really scares me, but it does, I could see how it could scare yeah. somebody too. So it's, it's, it's cool. It, yeah, I, I'm trying to think of a horror comedy that like really scared me, like as much as, or disturbed. I mean, a, horror, a comedy shouldn't disturb you, hopefully. But like, um, yeah, it's, I feel like the horror is more like in, within the genre, but maybe not as like, keeping you up at night as, yeah. as maybe some others but it's still in that that world yeah because right? the the movie that we're going to talk about um is kind of in the horror genre but you know not but mm-hmm. is but isn't <laughs> genre blending <laughs> yeah like yeah. a massive blend so we're going to be yeah. talking about del toro's masterpiece crimson peak i am a huge del toro fan and i'm sure you are too I planned an entire trip to America around being able to go to his monster exhibit in LA. Oh, I I went to that, yeah. I had to reschedule my trip and I didn't get to go. No! (laughs) I was devastated. Oh my gosh, it was... Um, I went on my birthday. um, That would have been on my birthday too. (laughs) When is your birthday? 28th of November. Oh, mine's the um, 27th of August. I had to think about it for a second because <laughs> it was 28th, 27th. 
uh, 27th of October. Oh, wow. um, uh, um, or close to my birthday. No, I think I went on my birthday. Um, but uh, it was, it was, it was cool. I won't overhype so it then. It was not cool. I'm sorry. It wasn't cool. It sucked. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's, I, I was actually just looking at photos from that and to like prepare for this get excited again i mean he is such an incredible brain we are lucky to yeah. enjoy it <laughs> with the he's got a weird brain yeah it's I, I love I, it exactly it's <laughs> yeah. something that's so uniquely him even the architecture because we also watched devil's backbone um after uh we watched crimson peak recently and um you can just see some of the architectural choices that are present in both films that are having seen some of the behind the scenes on Crimson Peak, he was explaining like, you know, the claustrophobic nature, some of those pieces on the ceiling and stuff. So I was yeah. wondering, oh, I wonder if that's what he was thinking with this and Devil's Backbone. And like, you just see kind of what he thinks, you know, creates an atmosphere and how, how effective it is. And, because Devil's, and unique to um, him. <laughs> yeah, Devil's Backbone was before Crimson Peak or after. It, yeah. Oh, before. Way, way before, I think. It yeah. Was, it, it was before Pan's Labyrinth. And, oh, okay. Because I thought it was like 2012 so. for some reason. Oh wait, how 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 crazy would it be if I looked this up? And somebody would listen to this and say, It's this year, guys. Come on, get <laughs> um, shit together. <laughs> I'm Googling. I normally it. have it written down, but I didn't this time. Google is taking a long time. Giving me restaurants called Devil's Backbone. This is this is uh, not good. <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> uh movie? Two thousand one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe I just read it wrong. Because I remember <laughs> Sometimes I see things like 2001, and in my head I see like 2011. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, yeah, so I'm like 2001. That's really far away. <laughs> yeah, but um, I remember watching. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was gonna say this October um, was the fifth year anniversary of this film. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Of so that makes Peak. sense. Um, and it feels. I mean, I guess because all those actors kind of look the same. I thought yeah. <laughs> I would have been surprised. Um, that uh it was even five years ago because i feel like it was a year or two ago <laughs> yeah it, yeah that makes sense because i think but i saw it's... this at the film at the sorry at the cinemas when this film came out i can't i can't remember i i definitely i had a very memorable experience seeing this the first time i uh we saw it and got chased by a stranger i don't know what he wanted from us like, <laughs> on the street, to our car um, oh, okay. Call our friend. Well, it's kind of well, it's a man who maybe on drugs. I'm not really sure. There was something he was doing some kind of strange thing. So we crossed the street, and then he like looked at us, and then like pointed, and then ran. So then we <laughs> ran, and then called our friend said, "Pick us up in your car." Drove us to oh our car. We got in their car. Drove us to our car. So. Um, that is always something I associate with Crimson Peak. I hope that guy's okay. Um, not sure if it was even a guy, just a, just a person of some kind. After it watching a horror movie, somebody. <laughs> and not, not not my favorite post movie experience, but I hope the person's okay, whoever they are. Um, but uh, we, I remember just like loving the movie, yeah. uh, despite <laughs> being associated with it. But uh, and then I got it on Blu-ray, and then have watched it several times since then. I'm just like, this movie gets better every time. It does. There's new things to see. There's new lines that have meaning when you see the whole film, you know, and all the butterfly and moth stuff. And yeah, uh, it's it's 
and and everything i don't know within the costumes and the architecture and the and the colors and the and the subtext and the lines and it can be like a little sometimes it feels very all caps dramatic you know but that's a, that's that like look at those costumes are dramatic uh, like, yeah it's, it's, it's yeah it's gothic literature so cool. what do you expect exactly it just feels like it it i don't know it it kind of has its like everything there's so many layers to it but it's all kind of like you can see it all it's like there's not like things that you have to like piece together that are so below the surface that you, yeah. you wouldn't be able to notice it like it's all there for you to notice but there's so many layers to it you can watch the movie over and over and say oh i didn't see that on the wallpaper i didn't hear that line that way the first time i saw it but it has like this like beautiful like cool you know hollywood you know romance like um, it, that's like beautiful people and at the same time there's like a guy's head getting bashed into a yeah. like like violent extreme violence and i i mean it's just like those are very bold choices it's so cool anyway i'm going like way off we haven't even got to like a single topic it's just, just like a, it's a like a well, I mean, stream it, of compliments yeah well del toro wrote maybe 11 or 12 versions of the script mm. before he was happy and submitted his final draft so you know i i can see um how he was able to build all these in intricacies i couldn't i couldn't <laughs> say the word <laughs> into the film you know yeah and, and being you know a a gothic fiction he really did stay so true to that genre um i've been teaching a year seven english student um like tutoring on weekends and he wanted to do a unit on gothic literature so i was like heck yeah so we read like edgar Allan poe and we wrote our own gothic literature story and so i learned so much about like gothic literature and i was like this is amazing because now when i watch something like crimson peak i'm like oh there's the motif there there's that there's the uh castle-like architecture there's the foreboding there's this <laughs> and so i'm like ah i'm on to all of it <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing i want to learn more from you about it because i i mean i feel like like what do you call like jane air like what like in that space or what or weathering heights maybe weathering heights. i don't know yes yeah. definitely um, frankenstein um yeah anything about edgar Allan poe yeah um, this like, yeah i feel like well like there's like this romance that's weird and like maybe like romance. a ghost in the house or something like that's spooky that's uh i mean i remember being a little frightened reading jane Eyre because it's like this ghost that was in the corridors or something it was like and weathering has really like like disturbed me a little bit yeah, <laughs> like for some reason that's like a very uh upsetting uh, feeling to it but i don't know if these are, would be considered i mean yeah weathering heights uh, i haven't read a lot of edgar Allan poe but i just feel like like this movie just feels like classic literature like i mean yeah. just from the vibe of it without being like too tongue-in-cheek or too like you know copycat sometimes things that yeah. want to pay homage can feel like a like a copy but it, it just feels like this fits in like you could just like put this puzzle piece in with this genre yeah and it, it has it has that you know but it has like a modern style and I, you know that's also cool i don't know what am i saying but, i just can't believe <laughs> yeah. that del toro was basically able to grab so many amazing 
um, like techniques and perspectives and yes. a, and an incredibly interesting and disturbing story. Yeah. And it's just like it came off the pages of a book that was written in the 1800s. So Yeah, exactly. And the performances are so, so good. Like yes. everyone is like just fully in it. Like they're like, I'm committed to this. Yeah. <laughs> That's how and I'd say, be if I was in that film, though. And in that, yeah. in those dresses, exactly. in that house, I'd be like, oh, yeah. Del Toro, what do you need me to do? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's even like, I remember the first time I saw the movie, the kind of, the CGI with the ghosts. I was like, oh, why didn't they use CGI at all? Like, I don't think you, you, need, yeah. you needed that. But then the more times I saw the movie, I really like that. I like the yeah. choices that were made. I think the first time it just caught me off guard. Um, and I guess I was just thinking it would end up being something more practical. But there's still these like beautiful, like there's obviously like somebody there doing these things. And in yes, the behind the is. scenes, you can it's see. The guy yeah. that, um, his name is Doug something. Doug he, Jones. Yes, yeah. he plays the pale man in Penn's yeah. Labyrinth. And yeah. yeah, he does the ghost for um, that is Edith's mother. So he does yeah. the red ghost, or the black yeah. ghost and the red ghost. Yeah. Yeah, he is. And the behind the scenes, he's like in the bathtub doing oh, his like, you it, know, like limmy lim thing. creeps yeah. me out. <laughs> Just yeah. the hands. It's, I'm like, that's enough for me. I'm out of here. Yeah. Yes. Every time Doug Jones like just pops in my head, I just like I see hands. 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 Yeah. Hands. Yeah. He's just the um, hands guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, what an incredible way. Like, I don't know. Um, I like this is a little off to the side for a second, but I, I really like you know old school Hollywood movies. Sometimes I get in a big groove watching a lot of like forties movies and stuff. And there's something about the performers that's very like just full body. Like they can dance, they can sing, they can they have they're doing comedy, just full body comedy. And in fact, before Scare Package, um, I don't know if, John, if the actor watched it with us, but I know me and the, some of the other crew we watched uh, Buster Keaton, um, the general, because his his and that is something we talked about with the actor like you know use your whole body it's not just your yeah. face you know for this comedy like the way you lean the way he's like pressed up against the window the whole thing is funny it's not just the lines you know you're a great actor but yeah. like use it all you know and I feel like like old Hollywood especially there's a lot more like wide shots in older Hollywood movies and because they're shooting different aspect ratios and stuff and um and I, I feel like um you know Crimson Peak especially Doug Jones thinking about him there's there's a lot of just like you know, because they, there's a lot of wideness to this location. Yeah. You see so many, it's a very visceral movie. I feel, I just feel like everyone is doing the, I don't know how to describe it, it sounds creepy, but like full body acting. Yeah. Like everyone is like, but especially Doug Jones is such an incredible like performer to be, to have such a, you know, he's in, he's in a lot of different um, movies and TV, but. He was in The Devil's Backbone seeing, as well, I think. Oh, really? Well, yeah, you see someone. That starting yeah. to like do the, the his hand you know thing I'm like that I'm wondering if that's Doug Jones because this person yeah. has control <laughs> over every joint in their body I just can't I mean I, I I guess that's why I'm also like intrigued by like circus performers and acrobats and stuff oh, yeah. have that ability but actors, my, um, you know my well. niece is an acrobat and oh my gosh she is hyper flexible so wow. <laughs> maybe he's hyper flexible like my niece will Oh, she does this thing where her, like, she bends over backwards and, like, grabs her ankles. 
and I'm like, I literally <laughs> almost vomit every time because I'm just like, how do you do that? So where are your bones? Yeah, where are your bones? It's just yeah. all jelly. Um, Have you seen do that? horror movies? She should. She should. I've thought about that. I was like, I want to hire someone who's very good at yoga to do like a possession, like in a movie <laughs> that can just do all kinds of things. Yeah. Like, you need a contortionist. Movie. Yeah, I would love that. instead of like. I, I'm not a I'm not the biggest fan of some of the modern horror movie techniques of like it, it kind of looks like the Snapchat filter things like yeah. they like make people's eyes like this <laughs> I'm like I'm not super scared by that because it looks a little bit like a camera a photo booth filter or something yeah but uh I, I think like if, if someone can do do a contortion of any kind even just like being double jointed in the right way is like I mean my pinky's a double jointed Hey, it'd be a horror movie. I could be a um, horror movie now with my toe. Oh, that, that, that's very scary. The pinky ghost. Yeah. <laughs> the I, pinky it's, ghost. <laughs> for the little, that little skateboard you had, yes. Yeah, with my tech deck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just so, but even just like in a, just a really good actor, you know, being able to use their whole presence on screen, yeah. even if it is just a medium close up, but in that movie, because you see all these beautiful costumes head to toe, you, you can just to tell these them. are, yeah, these are extremely, yeah. like, you know, talented, talented actors in this movie that, you know, they're, they, they make it work. They sell the, they sell this movie. Because <laughs> Mia was, I can't ever say her last name. I cannot say it. I promise I'm about to listen very carefully to what Mia Wasikowska. I, she's yeah. Australian. And I'm just like, yeah. She is Polish. <laughs> yeah. That is a Polish last name. Yeah. <laughs> she's really good. I get excited she's so beautiful. when she's in a movie. Yeah. Yeah. She's I in... loved her in Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. Yeah. She's really good in that. She's, um, have you seen, it's kind of a recent movie, an independent movie. And oh my God. <laughs> I know the, I know the, one of the directors. I should, I should know this. <laughs> oh, um, it has Robert Pattinson. She is in it, and Robert Pattinson's in it. I really, oh, Damsel. It's called Damsel. I've seen it advertised, but I haven't watched it yet. Yes, um, it's really good. They're both, I just think they're both extremely talented actors, and um, it's another, it's a little, like, dry comedy, and, like, weird, but (laughs) but period piece. I think, if you like Crimson Peak, I think that's certainly worth watching. It's a different, it's like an old Western kind of thing, but definitely subverts genres, and, you know. (laughs) Definitely won't spoil anything, but it's it's a cool find. It's a it's a neat little movie. But um, hopefully, it's on streaming uh, somewhere here. Yeah, I wonder where it is actually. Um, if not, I can probably yeah. rent it on YouTube. YouTube has been so good for renting films. Oh, really? Yeah, That's and it's like four dollars or something, and you get it for like two weeks. Oh, just I was surprised. Really, it's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, I I should do that because we have YouTube on the TV, but I haven't I haven't tried. I just watch like you know like an exercise video or something and that's what i put on the tv i don't do the i haven't thought about renting that makes sense i watch a lot the, of uh, um, beauty influencer gossip videos about people i have no idea who they are but i'm interested <laughs> in the tea i have for sure clicked on some of those where it's like everything wrong with this guy or something I'm like oh, who is it. that but i'm i want to know because you've put effort into this video and i want to know what you think <laughs> I've, I've for sure done yeah it's it can be interesting 
sorry, there's a dog barking back there. Hopefully it's not too distracting. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I uh, what was I going to say? But um, I guess, so you watched Crimson Peak last night. Yeah. It's, it's very fresh for you. Was there anything on this most recent viewing that really, like, I don't know, that you hadn't noticed before? Um, mainly it because you differently. <laughs> I've read, like, trivia bits before I watched it. And it was mainly, like, some of the techniques, like, uh, that Del Toro did with the furniture and the mm -hmm. interior design. So he, they were talking about how when um, the characters were feeling weak, their f the furniture was really big and, like, mm -hmm. kind of consumed, like, well, especially Edith, like, consumed her. But when she was strong, that furniture was, like, a little bit smaller to show that she had, like, this bigger... Um, like presence in that room and I was like that's mm -hmm. actually really interesting and I noticed that more and I noticed like obviously the butterfly motif and the moth motif mm -hmm. and that a lot of like furniture was designed to look like uh butterfly and moth wings and I was like look at all this stuff I know yeah all of this that's amazing yeah it's I wish I would give a million dollars I don't have a million dollars but <laughs> to, to walk through that set <laughs> oh yeah because they had a walkthrough on the behind the scenes and I was like it's really here it's the whole thing it's you'd get me in there and just not be able to get me back out I, I can't believe I mean like it is it is so and you feel it's like actually there it does not feel like they built a couple of rooms like it and I, I assumed that it was not as big as it was you know but it feels like um, I, I'm a big fan of, um, or I'm at least going through a really big Titanic phase right now. And it's another movie that has, uh, and not just the movie Titanic, but like the, the actual historical events about oh, okay. the Titanic. My youngest, and, um, and my youngest brother is, um, he has autism spectrum disorder. And at the okay. moment, his like big thing is the Titanic. He knows oh, really? everything, everything. Yeah, I, top of his head and I was just like he'll be like Kat did you know so many this this amount of people died on the Titanic I was like you were 12 you were 12 you shouldn't know this stuff but oh, that's wow. more than <laughs> it's I mean it's it is extremely fascinating and it was well it was really interesting right now I read the the book on night to remember which was um they consulted a lot of survivors in the writing of that book so it was the closest I think to hearing some firsthand accounts in an actual yeah. book form. And uh, it's, not, it's not very long. It's kind of just to the point. Just like it starts and it's like 8 p.m. The night the Titanic sings, here we go. Oh, and, all right. <laughs> With yeah, it. It's like, yeah. It's, it's kind of like, here's some people that were on the ship and uh, let's go. Um, but uh, and it has a very interesting introduction too about a, a fictional ship that was written in a book like 20, okay, someone's going to, Days, you know that's, that's not right but like 20 or 30 years before like so, some decades before um the, the actual titanic thinking that was like you know th this book that was kind of about you know privilege and upper class you know, uh, wealth you know, um you know and, and and but this big ship like ends up sinking because people just like thinking can never sink you know and oh, that's actually interesting and, yeah, had a really similar like um, situation, a very similar dimensions of the real Titanic. It was like, it was crazy. Like, and this book came out decades before and basically um, 
it was it just kind of predicted what ended up happening on the Titanic. But um, but the book was really fascinating because it is it kind of reminds me of what's going on right now culturally with like yeah some some privilege of people that that don't have to you know that that maybe are able to get on the lifeboats <laughs> like you know and and uh, it, it's 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 also just really interesting like you know there are people that didn't. Um, Sorry, I really sidetracked on Titanic. I was going to talk about the Titanic movie, but but it is interesting. Like there were people in the second, third class that are like, "Oh, these lifeboats aren't for you. They're for the first class passengers." But there's only one. There's only one set of lifeboats. They were not for um, anybody in particular. First class, yeah, they were for everybody. And so there was a lot of like the different classes of the ship having different, you know, outcomes of of how they were able to survive and you know, they, they were so confident that nothing bad could happen to the ship. There weren't enough lifeboats for all the passengers, obviously. It just, but, but seeing how it unfolds and the mentality of the people on the ship, it feels a lot like kind of what we had gone through earlier this year with COVID and like, yeah. you know, oh, nothing can bring us down. Yeah. yeah. We have a great society. You know? <laughs> it, it, it's really fascinating to read that. But it, my, my interest did stem from absolutely loving James Cameron's Titanic, which is um, in, also an enormous set piece, which is very immersive, and it also has this, like, very, like, on-the-nose, like, beautiful Hollywood romance, you know, but then a lot of death. <laughs> yeah, like, just, like, so much death. <laughs> darkness, like, you yeah. this is, like, this, like, ooh, beautiful romance, very, very, no, and everybody then, dies. And then, <laughs> yeah, there's, like, people just, like, yeah, drop, freezing in the water, dropping off the shit, it is, it is dark, there are children dying, and it is, so it's, I think there's, like, I think, too, with, like, horror movies I like to write, I like to have, like, a cute romance, and then, like, death, <laughs> I like this kind of blend of, like, there's some, like, cuteness, but around it, it's, like, it's dark. just death, um, everything's death, <laughs> yeah, uh, the Titanic is actually one of those movies, but it, it does remind me of Crimson Peak with those costumes, the huge yeah. set piece and the great acting, and it, but also just like, I don't want to call it a corny romance, because I feel like the actors really bring it, but it yeah. is not a subtle romance. No. You know? <laughs> but I really I like how I it developed little... in two days, and they were in love and going to yeah. run away and get married, and I was like, okay, well, now we know that's not a real story. But... <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. This is, um, this is movie land, but... Uh, I like it. Like, uh, oh, I, I love it's, it. It's very, um, I don't know, like it, it kind of, it gives a movie like a, well, Crimson Peak and Titanic, it gives a movie like a heart that yeah. is, that, you know, kind of shines through all the, all the bad stuff that, that's happening around. But it's so funny, like on Titanic on the cover, it's just the, the romance, you know, but then they're like, also like hundreds and hundreds of people die. Just so you know, <laughs> and you'll see all of that. We're going to show you everybody drowning, and which is like yeah. a huge phobia of mine. So watching Titanic, I'm like, Ugh. it's oh. like stressful watching oh it. It's it's very it's a very stressful movie, uh, and it's I don't know it doesn't get less stressful no. <laughs> when you watch it. It, it gets more and it's long. Yeah, it's uh, have you seen? There's also the movie A Night to Remember based on the book, and it's kind of like Titanic without the romance. But it's very, it almost feels like Dunkirk or something. Like, it is kind of like, this. these are the events of Titanic, and here's kind of like a cast of people that were on the ship, and uh, a lot of bad stuff's going to start happening right now. <laughs> like, oh, we started the movie. It is, it's on Criterion. Uh, I got it because I'm in this Titanic phase uh, for, for Christmas. Because <laughs> like, 
my family uh, knows about this, but um, it's really good. It's it's okay. like I love Titanic. I was like, there's no way I'm gonna like this as much, but I like them equally. I think they're both just really interesting. Sorry, really side note, but also kind of related to Crimson Peak because of the costumes and the the yeah, the absolutely sure and. I think, well, it's I set know. in the same period. Yeah, yeah. Because this is um, meant to be uh, eighteen. Well, it starts in eighteen eighty-seven, where um, mm-hmm. we kind of find out that Edith's mum has died. Um, she had uh, black cholera. Don't know what that is because mm-hmm. I thought it was just cholera, and that's what you die of. Right. Don't know what that means, and <laughs> um, we don't know. Oh, this is where she's visited by the black ghost mm-hmm. and all we hear is this ghost saying beware of crimson peak mm-hmm. and with all gothic literature we have your foreboding something supernatural brings you a what's the word a not a curse okay. a like an omen kind of omen. thing or like a, that's yeah. the word <laughs> i should know this i did six weeks of gothic literature <laughs> And then it fast forwards to the future and there's Edith and she's this beautiful young woman and it's uh, Mia, Mia, W, Mia W. (laughs) And she is the daughter of uh, Jim Beaver, who I love so much. He's great. Did you watch Supernatural? Um, No, I just think he's great in the movie. (laughs) Oh, you have to watch Supernatural because Jim Beaver in Supernatural is my favourite. Oh, I, um, who's he play? Um, I can't remember his name. Oh, no. <laughs> but he's like, I've watched a little bit, the, yeah, but not like consistently. I'm gonna have a look. Um, <laughs> and I actually went to a con here and he was there. Um, did you meet him? No, but I went to his panel. And um, it, it was Jim Beaver who plays Bobby in Supernatural. And the guy who plays Castiel, who is Misha Collins. Oh, no, actually, it was Mark Shepard who plays Crowley. And it was just a really cool panel. I loved it. Um, Yeah, I'm looking to see if I recognize him from anything else. But I just, I'm a fan of him because his his, uh, death in Crimson Peak Mm. is one of the most memorable deaths I've ever seen in a movie. He was in Deadwood Um, as well. Okay. And so... Yeah, I saw this movie, but I don't remember him in that. It's a big ensemble. I'm sure I've seen him. I'm sure yeah. I've seen him. He's <laughs> very things, popular but... and like in a lot of different way, like heaps of all different kinds of stuff. Um, yeah. And I think what does he his her dad do? He's a um a miner or something, or he's uh, an investor. I, think... I, I I don't know. Well, I think he's like going to an potentially invest in the in the mine at Crimson Peak and then he doesn't he doesn't like Tom Hiddleston's hands because it's like they're too soft he's (laughs) never done a hard day's work in his life yeah he's like I don't trust this guy but um he does his you know uh Tom Hiddleston who plays Thomas Sharp he it was originally meant to be Benedict Cumberbatch and I'm so glad that uh, so something happened and Cumberbatch was like uh, he he left the film. Okay. And within a like within three days, Tom Hiddleston had been casted. So I thought that wow. was. And I'm like, I'm kind of glad Tom did. He's great. He's, he's fantastic. One of my favorite. I mean, obviously, very memorable is 
Loki and, and others and yeah. other things, but uh, I just this might be my favorite of his movies. Yeah, like, me too. I, he's so like I don't know. I feel like he's like a hundred and twenty percent committed. Like <laughs> in this movie, yeah. And Jessica, <laughs> Jessica Chastain is as well. I mean, like well, everyone is. I just think there's just like just a just a very strong level of commitment from everyone that everyone. brings that really nice it's, energy. Even um, Charlie yeah. Hannum is like fully yeah. in there. Everyone is. It's maybe it was just like a really fun script and just like a really fun set to be on and everyone was just like you know what? I hope so <laughs> yeah and it's like yeah. also you get to work for del toro so like yeah you can just see in some of the behind the scenes or, I mean I'm kind of reading into people but you know he's kind of talking through some of the artistic choices with the team and there's like these people around him and I feel like you can kind of sense that they're like excited to be there yeah. <laughs> like they're I just like, like I'm happy yeah I, I feel like that was going on in some people's <laughs> Yeah, I mean, hopefully he's not, you know, mean, but I've heard nothing but delightful things yeah. um, about him, and um, I did, I, you know, I don't, like, try to do these kinds of things, but when I was a little bit younger, he was in Austin, I was in high school, for a screening of a movie, and um, people would go up and get their poster signed, and there was, like, there's plenty of time to go do it, so I went up, and I was, like, probably my only chance to ever meet him, so I'm just gonna tell him what a huge inspiration he was to, like, my entire like love of film because it's true it's like him and peter jackson's lord of the rings yeah. and uh, like awesome. robert rodriguez's kids movies because yeah. i was really young but uh, he's an austin guy so he's like you know you see him around but peter jackson and guillermo del toro like huge huge influences on my love of of making movies and so i was like i just have to tell him that and that i like grew up to be a filmmaker and stuff and he was so kind and of course he would never remember that incident but he said i want to stand up and shake your hand because you are inspiring or something like that and i was like and he stood up and he shook my hand i was like you have no idea maybe he does like how much that means to people that yeah inspired you know they were so inspired to choose a profession you know because of you and to just give them the time of day like that is just like it sticks with you forever and if you never remember it you know that's why i think filmmakers should always always be kind to yeah. up-and-coming filmmakers like that's just the best thing you can ever do to someone not to say like get used to it the industry is terrible but to no, always say it doesn't like, have to be terrible to you. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. And especially if you're like, these people made me want to make movies. And then they tell you, like, they'll never make it, kid. <laughs> like, goodbye. You know? And, um, yeah, I just, it really, really stuck with me forever, that the kindness that, that he showed in that moment. And, you know, I just continued on with my poster and the next person came. Yeah, but it was like, <laughs> of so course, much. that sticks with me. Like, he just, yeah. he seems like a very, very, like, generous you know person on on you know I mean he didn't have to do that <laughs> to, no. to a te teenager so I mean I would hope I hope I'm not wrong about that <laughs> but it seemed like in the behind the scenes he knew what he wanted but he also you know was was kind like I was yeah. getting that impression I hope there's not some big expose released tomorrow like, <laughs> I was just like well I can't but, release this episode now <laughs> uh, just like bleep out like this like five minute because there's already yeah. like two filmmakers I will not put on my show and that's Roman Polanski and um Salva the guy who did Jeepers Creepers and I'm like nope, oh yeah both of them yeah. big fat no no on my no so I'll be happy Creeps. I, no, I won't be happy if I have to add any more to that list than that. Yeah, yeah, no, we don't, we don't need that. <laughs> uh, hopefully, yeah, I, I'm, I'm hoping the industry is taking a turn to like, hey, let's not enable anyone yeah. that 
is a predator. Like, let's let's not do that anymore. No. Um, I mean, I should have never done that. it in the first place. But yeah. But um, yeah, I, I just I, I get a good a good vibe from from what I see, and, yeah. and and definitely that one that one interaction was you know just uh, it was inspiring to me. And um, I yeah, I mean, it's I, I just might be up there for me. I do need to rewatch some of his uh, earlier movies um but i haven't seen pan's labyrinth maybe i don't know a decade is that did it come out over a decade ago yeah. <laughs> um and uh and his earlier movies i, I have yeah, um, i haven't I seen kind a of, lot i have but i just haven't yeah. like rewatched. it's been a while yeah it, exactly like my early okay. 20s which was 12 years ago but <laughs> yeah like it's like there you remember like I don't know about you, but I was like, I remember liking all of his movies, but I don't remember what scenes I remember liking from yeah. which movie. No, definitely, like, rewatching Devil's Backbone, um, like, we asked, because my boyfriend hadn't seen it, and I was like, oh, it's really good, and I asked my mom, like, do you want to watch it with us? It's great, and she goes, oh, no, that movie's very violent. I don't think I'm in the mood for that tonight, and I was like, no, it's not. It's just a bunch of kids or something. There's, like, a ghost. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's very violent. <laughs> oh, she, oh, mom, you never remember. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. The next day I was like, okay, if you were not in the mood for that, totally understand. I had no idea why she was saying that. I thought I thought it was kind of like shape of water level of yeah. R. I don't know, but it was not. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad he has an Oscar. I mean, that's, I don't know how much I like shape of water compared to Crimson yeah. and, and Pan's Labyrinth. And, I but liked it. It's not something to write home about and be like, oh my god, it's so amazing. But yeah. I'm glad it got him, you know, Oscar recognition. Yes, you know, absolutely. That's cool. Finally, yeah. about freaking time. Um, but just the the versatility, like every like another movie will pop into my head. He said Charlie Hunnam, and I was like, oh yeah, uh, uh, Pacific Rim. And like, yeah, like he's just such an extensive different. I love Pacific Rim. It's it's different. It's like an action movie. <laughs> like, has everyone gives it yeah. so much. Everyone I know gives it so much shit, and I'm like, no, I love Pacific Rim. I love, I love those movies. I don't care what anybody says. I don't They're care. Fine. That yeah. I I will. I said what I said. Yeah. I'm not backing down. <laughs> no from nuance. This. Yeah. No nuance ever. I love Pacific Rim. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's great. Yeah. It's. I just think it's like. Um, I, it's but even though all these movies are so different they have definitely the thoughtfulness like you know yeah. it's present in all of them and the and the and the sensibilities of the, of the filmmaker so it's just it, what a skill to be able to transcend all these different genres yeah i was re-watching some of hellboy maybe like a year ago i was like i love that beautiful. movie <laughs> yeah. oh, it's all his monsters like he just yeah. they're so Doug Jones. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. 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 I don't know what it is. It's... And I even wrote a note here saying that even though these ghosts are, um, you know, women to be scary, like, sorry, women to be scared of these things, these ghosts are all coming to, uh, like, to the character, Mia, to warn her. But they're mm -hmm. kind of beautiful in this weird, twisted way. And I just... They're so visceral and that red ghost in that bath scene. When I watched it last night, I was like, this ghost is weirdly beautiful. Yeah, that's a that's such an interesting response because I feel like I feel like that is what the movie is really trying to tell you by the end when you see that final moments with the ghosts and yeah. um and how you know they've stuck behind or, or not. And it's and it's 
I feel like they're trying to say what was once maybe giving you this impression is is actually it's a lot more complicated and there's history and yeah. there's meaning and and it's so like I mean they're like literally saying that in the, in the voiceover but it's it's so it is interesting how your opinion uh, and like emotional reaction to the ghost kind of changes like cause I, I'm it's like you get that sense of dread when you know you know she hears a noise and she's yeah like, what was that you're like, so you're like dread oh no yeah it's like something bad's Stop. gonna happen by the end you're like oh these ghosts are like it's it's a, it has a different They're meaning so it's it's cool yeah yeah it's, because it's um neat. Thomas and Edith kind of have this whirlwind romance and her dad hates it and he says mm -hmm. to Thomas you basically see you later GTFO you've got to break her heart get out of here and so you know not surprisingly enough um Cushing the dad played by Jim Beaver is brutally murdered in a bathroom scene at a um I think he's in like kind of like a men's spa kind of space mm. steam room or whatever they had back in those days and this scene just like I always am like whoa so violent but not in a way that's like oh that shouldn't be done you shouldn't have that in this movie right yeah that's what that's just so interesting to me about the skill that's brought to this movie because it it's like it pushes the boundaries like in that yeah. instance especially because that was the moment but weirdly when I was watching the movie where I was like I'm fully on board with this movie yeah. this is a bold choice but it's fully like in the world of this film and that's like what you want to do as a filmmaker is have bold memorable moments that have intention behind them but are like you know it, does, it doesn't feel like a left field choice or something like yeah. that. And the movie maintains that level of darkness, yeah. but also has these really like, you know, romantic, like big gestures and like, and creepy elements and, and then like beautiful set pieces. Like it has every, yeah. it has all these things and it knows how to weave them together, but it never feels like, and then the aliens came. <laughs> like, You're just like, oh. Like, yeah, there's no like, okay, what is this movie doing now? Like, I'm not, I'm not like an ironic viewer. Like, I, I just, I think like if a movie can make bold choices with a purpose, Back it and, it, and it's, it's great. Yeah, like we need more of that. I don't yeah. like, not, you know, just like, I don't know, vanilla, like, <laughs> here's some, you know, but Del Toro never does that. So it's, no, you know, I was gonna say, it's Del Toro. He never, he doesn't make yeah. mistakes in yeah. his films. And everything is with intention and purpose and insight and even um like with hindsight as well it's mm -hmm. just, it's so crazy how well he just does everything it's insane yeah <laughs> i think like a lesson that can be learned from like aspiring filmmakers you know because you're like okay obviously i can't afford to build this like mansion in the studio <laughs> yeah space and get these like world-class costumes and everything and paint you know little moths on everything you know oh, you can't do all that everything. but but what you can take away from that is like a big example you know in your smaller world of your small budget is you could say like you know what if i always put this character in red to symbolize that yeah. they're like volatile you know like or what if like all of our sets you know the ceilings were just a little bit low so you felt claustrophobic because that's essentially what he did you know yeah. he had these like things to make it feel like the house was thinking in the architecture that's a um and, that is a gothic literature technique as well that things right. do feel tight and claustrophobic and like you can't get out or that you're trapped um right. 
and it's just even like um like with mary she uh, mary shelley's frankenstein when she writes about this lab that he was built in like it's this tiny little space that yeah. this big monster is getting constructed in it's not yeah. this big huge space where there's heaps of room and all these cool gadgets it's meant to be this dark dingy terrifying place however i don't feel that way about this mansion i feel like it's vastness in the way that there's so many rooms and so many places to go that scares me more than if it was like a tiny little hut like confined yeah yeah, yeah. Exactly. but i still feel claustrophobic yeah. in this house because it's like it is like i mean it's like it's beautiful like i actually want to go there but it's yeah. also like it, it is like kind of trapping you in and, and maybe it's those choices like the furniture like i feel like even things that we notice can affect us subconsciously as a whole picture you know as yeah. a, like the the way it is sinking and the and the the big furniture and small furniture and the slanting and the pointing down from the ceilings and, and the elevator um, that was an yeah. actual elevator that's crazy yeah because del toro it's, was like if i want an elevator it's got to be a real elevator it's really <laughs> and so it moved between like i think it was three stories this wow thing that hit any because they built the whole mansion in the studio but then they had to dismantle yeah. it and i was like no <laughs> you should have left it <laughs> because and then after, they have that fight scene in there too oh yeah because yeah. i was gonna say after because in this we've also met lucille who is mm -hmm. uh thomas's sister she's a little bit um she's dark and like dangerous mysterious yes, mysterious <laughs> but not in a good way yeah. it's kind of like well, right keep away from her she irks me um, yeah <laughs> and they do have that scene before they leave before um mia's father dies with the butterflies and they're talking yeah. about how the moths eat the butterflies and she's just like very the way she's speaking is like Ugh. yeah it, too much she has me. a yeah she has a strange vibe and you're like wondering if the movie's gonna go there with the kind of things that she's like hinting at and, yeah. and it does it does like, go okay. way, so. <laughs> yeah we're like that was it because that's when oh. they arrive at the house and yeah. we see you know um it's absolutely dilapidated like it's gonna mm. they're um they are in england aren't they when they go to crimson peak Crimson Peaks in England, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> they were in Buffalo, New York, and then she gets on a ship and goes to... She's definitely not in the United States anymore. No. Yeah. <laughs> She's not in Kansas yeah. anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that, that, that sounds right. Sure. And we see, and I just love the red clay through the snow, like when they're like yeah. walking through and you can see all the red everywhere, like the... Um, the machinery that they use to pump everything out of the ground is red and mm -hmm. it's very like okay what's gonna happen and then there's just this big black mansion that's yeah. falling to pieces and it's just such a contrast on the snow with the red and it's like yeah. they don't use a lot of color variants in this film and i think that that's what makes it so aesthetically pleasing for me because i'm i don't like mm. bright colors i'm like red black white done love it yeah well i feel like there's like um like a depth to the colors like it's like it's there's some striking images but then there's like 
guts to it. like it's not like just like a like a just a dingy they're not like it's scary because it's just like dingy or something <laughs> like that it's like there's there's like layers and and everything between the furniture and the costumes yeah. and the and the wallpapers and the like it feels like they're layer like it's colorful dog scratching on the door in a scary way but it's there uh, i'm gonna let him in but um <laughs> it's it's uh one second dog no get out of here bye sorry <laughs> dog interlude <laughs> um but uh it's it's a colorful movie in a sense but it also very much feels in the realm of a horror movie i mean, I mean yeah. i'm just a I'm a big fan. I guess like every movie I've ever watched, unless it's a black and white movie, um, the very first thing I think of is the colors of the yeah. movie. And and it's something where I see very vibrant like, colors, but then I also, of course, see these like, you know, like Lucille's in that black dress outside. It's very striking. And um, of course, the big like poofy sleeve dress. They have Hello. that exhibit. Yeah. Oh, it's so no, I, I would have just yeah. been like, okay, that can get in my hair in bed. <laughs> this is my souvenir. <laughs> yeah. You get souvenirs at the end of the tour, right? This is mine. <laughs> yeah. Whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's uh. So I feel like there's these really, you know, it doesn't feel like. I feel like sometimes the choice can be made with horror, where it's like, you know. To make it scary, we'll make the movie green or something like that. And that doesn't and work. I, and I mean, it's, I, I guess, like, I can understand the choices because it's unsettling if the movie is just green, you know, or oh, it's for, green, yeah. brown, blue, you know, there will be like, like a the tones and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's actually in a segment of Scare Package, like, we were kind of making fun of that when we tinted like all the different horror movies he was in to show like this is a blue horror movie, this is yeah. a brown horror movie. Like it's like there are these like you know colors that are parts of the genre and and the movies are are great. You know it's not, but it is something like the very first thing I think of with every single movie is what is the color that stuck with me. You know I'll see a screenshot yeah. and and the colors of it. And with Crimson Peak, I see these like very rich colors. Like it's not, you know, like what you said, there are these striking red, black, white, like, you know, but then it's it's also just like there's a richness to it. And it's a yeah. like, in all of his movies, they're always very there's there's these striking colors, but it's like it's still super colorful. Vibrant. Yeah. Yeah, but Even not with... I know what you're saying. Not yeah. like bright like <laughs> La La Land or something like that. It's not like that. But it's it's still it feels in the genre. I don't know yeah. what I'm trying to say. I think no, color I is so important to like your subconscious interpretation of the movie. And so I'm just like, why, why would any movie waste a, a choice with color? You know, cause it's something that it doesn't have to be a Wes Anderson movie, but it can, it can affect what people think of yeah. a person. If a person's always wearing cool colors, you'll get a different impression of them, you know? And that's, and that's something that's unsaid. You don't need a line of dialogue saying like, this person is always in these colors. <laughs> like, cause you already are taking that in. So give it a credit. It's something we already process as a part of filmmaking. Right. Yeah. So it's it's cool. Like it's like and what we're talking about with like how a book you have to build all the visuals and the movie, you know, you in screenplay, uh, is is the blueprint for it in a sense. But you know, the choices that you make visually in a movie are more than just the the shots, you know. Yeah. The it's everything that creates the, the the image. So that's I mean, even on the lowest budget, you can make a choice that's colorful. I just have everyone in black because <laughs> it's all I wear. So I'm like, you can all be me. Let's be me. Yeah. Same thing. Well, <laughs> it's good to write 
things from from your perspective. I yeah. I, I I almost said auditioned. I um, auditioned. Uh, interviewed for a job at a hip clothing store. Uh, when I was between movies and it kind of an, I think I was nineteen. And they said, what's your sense of style? And I don't really have one. And so I said, I wear a lot of black and like any, anything that can hide all the sweat stains I have all the time. <laughs> and, they were, and they were like, I'm going to say noir. style <laughs> sense. I did not get the job. But, um, they were like, this is, doesn't make any sense. But I, uh, I'm with you. Like, I, I feel like whatever's comfortable and cool, like, that's Do it. <laughs> But it doesn't have to be, you know, I, I wouldn't say I would make a good costume designer. <laughs> no, me neither. Um, no, don't ask me. I'd just be like, put them in black. Yeah. Black <laughs> jeans, black, black shirt, Doc Martens. Off you go. Done. And what an impression that can create, too. Exactly. Who that person is. Like, that's that's cool. Like, it's it's really neat. I It's just, and also, like, I've been, I've been just watching videos of actors kind of talking about how to get in their process and so it's just helpful to see this this kind of thing and they're like I, I just saw something really interesting about how once you put on the costume how how that can make how you interact with the set differently like obviously in this movie they were probably wearing oh, things like I corsets mean, and stuff you wouldn't want to yeah. take them off you'd want to be in it all day anyway <laughs> Right, you wouldn't want to like go to the bathroom and eat lunch and then put it back on. It'd probably be like a, a whole thing. <laughs> but like, I would imagine, uh, you know, like when you put on, yeah, like corsets or undergarment kind of things that were relevant to the time period or certain types of heels or things like that that you wouldn't normally wear, it would really impact you know, your performance and feeling like that person, because of course you would never like wear a corset in real life, you know. <laughs> you wouldn't do to that go... now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Especially not now. I'm not wearing jeans ever again. This is my new, you know. Interactive pants most of the time yeah. now. That's all I need. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like like jeans are going to be like out of business, like at the end of the, the pandemic. <laughs> I got told that skinny jeans are no longer in fashion. And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> that's all I've worn since I was 14 oh no um little yeah, me can't deal with that yeah put them back in fashion what do you uh, mean um yeah, yeah but it's I, I'm sure with a movie like this like your costumes really make you feel yeah. part of that environment they would have been so cool those costumes yeah like, to wear them I, it would have been a really cool feeling <laughs> I hope they would be not uncomfortable but it, it is uh you know, they were trying to, I mean, I know with that puffy sleeve one, they were talking about emulating, like, butterfly elements. And, yeah. Um, and then moth elements in, in Jessica Chastain's um, costumes. And, yeah. Um, she's so, the moth. I don't know, maybe they weren't comfortable. <laughs> maybe they were, they were very style, you know. I, um, Lucille's character is really concerning for me at this point because they're, she's basically said to... Edith, you can't go anywhere in the house. You're not allowed anywhere. And um, she's also giving Edith tea at this point, mm -hmm. which I was like, okay, they're in they're in England. Tea is normal. If they're in the <laughs> states, I'd be like, tea's not normal. Um, <laughs> and she's getting visited by ghosts, and another ghost also says to her, "Beware of Crimson Peak." At this point, she doesn't know that the house is nicknamed Crimson Peak. She doesn't know that that's what they call it. Right. And she she has her um like 
uh, sorry, basically like a nervous breakdown because of the like ghosts coming to see her. And mm-hmm. Lucille's like, no, don't go home. You have to stay here. Basically gaslights her into staying at the house. Yeah. And Thomas is like, don't worry, we'll go to the post office. Um, and this is where Edith is given a letter because uh, they believe that she is Lady Sharp. Mm-hmm. Lady E. Sharp. Um, however, it's not. It's for another person that lived that we later find out was also married to Thomas. <laughs> With an E. Enola, right? Enola, <laughs> yes. Yeah. I love that name. I, I don't know what it's it cool. is. I really like that name. <laughs> and also Edith. My um, sister almost named her second daughter Edith. That's a, it's a really pretty name. Yeah. yeah I like it. It's she, memorable. She likes the nickname Edie. So. Oh, that is cute. <laughs> it is. It's so cute. Um, uh, so they get snowed in and have to stay at the post office. They actually end up consummating their marriage in a quite interesting sex scene, uh, which I read about recently, where um, uh, Tom Hiddleston had said, how about we leave the clothes on Edith and leave her completely dressed and the I'll be undressed. Like um, like a reversal of typical. Yeah, like reverse cool. that role, and I was like, "That's actually really interesting." Okay. He was like, "I want to do this. I want to show my ass." And he he has a nice bum. It's fun. Yeah, I mean, that's I didn't know that. It, I didn't know that about that scene. But that's I read that last night, and I was like, oh, "Oh wow, that makes a lot of sense." I I thought maybe you know, um, Edith because she is meant to be you know the butterfly throughout this film that maybe right. she is being more conservative and more, um... In the chrysalis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Or, you know, like, um, preserving herself and, and not, I don't want to be, like, conservative and, you know, dignified right. because I don't think that at all. But in that context and that time period, yes. Right, right. That's it. I, yeah, I, I didn't, yeah, that's cool. That's cool that that was the, the thought there. Um, I feel like I don't know sometimes it, have you ever gone to like a film festival or something and then you realize kind of what the male gaze of Hollywood has done to like independent films and yeah. what the women are wearing and <laughs> e- like, independent oh. films that are emulating like Hollywood movies it's kind of it's kind of interesting it's kind of like watching and I would put myself in this category like from independent filmmakers like it's like the the, the parents are the are it's Hollywood and then the independent filmmakers that are doing their best to make make movies on a smaller budget smaller scale we're like the kids you know, doing our best and like so we're just seeing just what the trying. parents are doing we're like we're trying we're just doing what you're doing mom and dad you know and yeah. so it's like it's it's interesting you know to see how you I feel like in a Hollywood movie I'm like oh another one of these big like action movies and the girls are wearing the booty shorts and whatever like there's gonna be a they're gonna take off their shirt and whatever and then, but then you see it in like an independent film and you're like, that's weird. <laughs> like, why? Yeah, because you're like, why are like, you, we know why Hollywood does it. Why are right. you doing it? <laughs> it's, it's interesting that he had such an awareness of that. Yeah. It's really cool that like Hiddleston brought it to Doltoro and was like, let's do it this way instead. Especially like, I would imagine being an actor or actress in Hollywood, you see a lot of women being objectified it, subconsciously yeah. or consciously just because it is part of 
uh, our, our culture is, movies are part of our culture and then like you know it trickles down how people treat each other in real life I saw an interesting <laughs> TED talk about that I was like I didn't think of it like that and um, it, yeah so I would imagine being like in this A-list category you probably see a lot of like you know and just people being yeah, objectified especially you know actors their appearance is a big part of how they get jobs and why they get jobs and you know you yeah. probably see a lot of stuff so it's interesting yeah interesting. it's a big sign <laughs> but inter it is interesting and i am um, oh yeah obviously yeah so yes. definitely like it should not be that way you know but i mean just to have have an awareness that like yeah. as the guy the leading man you are not asked to wear things that women are asked to wear that might not make yeah. them comfortable you know, and, and uh, I think too, because we have this like idea of kind of what movie stars wear on screen dogs. <laughs> they're getting them. They do, they've developed this habit of like banging on the door to be like, I don't need Excuse me. Attention. My dog, my cat just <laughs> bursts into my room. She's like, I'm here. Oh, no. She'll like run and lock shut arrived. my door. That's basically what she does. And I'm like, oh, pickles, get out. <laughs> the, that's such a good animal name I've, I've always loved that name for an animal um, I didn't want to give her but, a human name no that's weird I mean it's funny yeah. too if you're like Kevin get over here or something but um yeah the uh what was I going to say oh yeah you have this idea of like what actresses wear like yeah I but I just I think you know I've I've talked to actresses about this and like you know sometimes it's hard to voice you're uncomfortable with like maybe how revealing an outfit is or like how it, how it's hard to like run or like or move around but also feel like you're not gonna just burst out of your clothes or something if they're giving <laughs> you something like too form-fitting and it's like there's a lot of things that you know come with the and guys a lot of times they're in like t-shirts and jeans like you know they're like something a plus similar <laughs> yeah but women there's a lot of different options and so it's like you know it's, it's so it's interesting to to be aware you know of of how i think especially if you're an actress and getting roles like you you, you know it's I just imagine you you want to be comfortable asking for things costume wise and you yeah. should be comfortable asking <laughs> so, yeah anyway, that, I mean I'm going off on this no yeah not. but I'm like there's also things like I want to say but I, I don't want to say you know just because it's like it, it's I think that that every director and I don't I don't know you know I haven't directed sex scenes but like every director should for sure be aware of the comfortability of an actor, especially with a sex scene, but also with every choice that's made like costume wise and the people that are surrounding the actors, are they comfortable with yeah. their, the, their, the people that are like taking them from set to their hotel? Are they comfortable with, you know, the, the other performers in the scenes with them like what you know you always want to make sure that they're comfortable and there are things that I think can slip by mine yeah you know it, because maybe it's a guy director and they don't know what it's like to be wearing a shirt that you feel like you might slip out of it or something like yeah, that you know exactly so, it's, it, so it is something that I do have an appreciation when guys do notice like okay we need to make sure this actor is comfortable do they need anything else to feel like they can do the scene and be comfortable with that. Yeah. And I think that that also adds a level of depth to that relationship and that actor can be like, okay, I really enjoyed working with this director because of these decisions made. And I think that that makes a better relationship for the entire industry. It's like a, it's a win-win really. 
it can't yeah, be yeah. negative in any way. I, I just, uh, directing is actually like, it's, it's all like in the prep and in the casting and, you know, knowing your intentions with the movie, because once you're on set, if you got good actors and everything is there, you're not doing a whole lot. You're like, let's just get like two more of these and let's go in the next <laughs> shot, you know? And that's kind of what you're doing because the, and, and even like big time directors will say, I've noticed, they say like, you know, once you get the good actors in there, like, what else do you say? You're like, do it sad in one take, but then let's move on. And so it's, it, you know, it's so when you're, when you're able to like know what your creative choices are, I think just making sure that those creative performers can feel comfortable with everything that they're doing, yeah. that they're not having to be cognizant of like, okay, that guy over there has been creeping me out all day. I have to be aware of him all the time. And I can't like really be in the moment because I'm, I'm on high alert, you know, or my costume is like too tight and it's constricting me. And I feel like I can't, I can't breathe, think. but I feel like I can't, <laughs> yeah. And I can't tell anybody about it or whatever. Like it's, so it's, I think like net, you know, not, not even like below, but next to the choice, uh, you know, next to your primary responsibility, being able to see the big picture of what the movie's going to be and how to make those choices. It should be, are my actors comfortable? Do they have everything they need to feel like they can, you know, be in the moment of this scene and, and, uh, you know, be vulnerable and then feel like, you know, it's, it's all going to be okay and that they're safe. You know? And supported and, and that. Yeah. Yeah. It's Especially just, if your movie has a sex scene in it, like, yes. oh my gosh, like, I, I mean, I purposely don't write something like that, because I'm like, I, I don't think I'd be able to either be there for that, but, um, yeah, in the movie, it's, like, a very tender moment between them, yeah. and it's very pivotal to what happens, the fate of everybody else yeah. in the movie. Because so what like, happens when she gets home and find, and Lucille finds out that her and Thomas have had sex? And not good. Because <laughs> Lucille um, is incredibly angry about it. Uh, which is The odd. whole time, the first time you're watching the movie, you're like, this is not the plot, right? Like, this is yeah. not going to go. It's like, but it's, it's very well done. She is very good. Like, she, she sells yeah. it so, so well. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, Edith steals some of the keys and pops them in a pocket and she's like, ah, ah. We're gonna go looking around, and this is where Thomas actually because she goes outside to speak to Thomas and he says something about Crimson Peak, and she's like, Oh, why didn't you say that earlier? <laughs> you call it, oh, that. <laughs> it all makes sense now. Shit. Yeah, so during this whole time that this is all happening, um, Charlie Hannum's character, uh, Dr. McMichael is like also investigating what's going on. So we see that on the side that, you know, he wants to know what happened with Cushing's death and everything that's going on. And it's just, you know, it's all crazy what he's discovering. And Edith is going around the house. Um, she goes to the attic and um, she's, I don't know, she's just, she's around the whole house, isn't she? She's looking everywhere she's not meant to be looking. And she mm -hmm. ends up in the basement where they've got like the, these large boiling vats for the clay. And mm -hmm. somehow she finds a body. I don't know how she knew to look for the body, but she did. Um, so they, she also 
sorry, a ghost finds her and takes her to a closet somewhere and she finds a recording, which is in this really cool recording machine thing that I just thought was spectacular. Whatever it was. Mm -hmm. I love it. I need it. Yeah. Well, I remember with that, it was like, they're going to hear her listening to that. It's so big. It's so big. (laughs) They're going to come kill her. (laughs) No, they were busy anyway, so. Right, right. (laughs) Um, But... And was like, that's loud. I wish she had headphones. <laughs> yeah, put some yeah. headphones on, woman. <laughs> but she basically finds fun. out that she's getting poisoned um, right. for them to take over her money. Um, and I think it's at this scene where she walks in on Lucille and Thomas engaged could in be. incestuous relations. Right. But basically we find out that they... Um, that Lucille has seduced Thomas and now is using Thomas to bring all these brides and murder them for their inheritance. And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And that's the only reason they brought Edith along, is so that they could take her money. Right. Which is really sad. He's got, he's like, he loves her though now. Yeah. And so that makes things complicated for everybody and bad <laughs> bad things happen as a result yeah um, right. and i mean like lucille just goes nuts at this point mm-hmm. and um because she she realizes that thomas actually has feelings for edith and that you know the the plan can't go ahead if thomas is in love with edith and i mean it's a real drama like lucille is real drama um well, and the the violence of that section is very tense, and yeah. like it's like you know from seeing the head bashing scene, it's it can get like the gory. Yeah, <laughs> at, at any moment there's like, I feel like in multiple movies Del Toro loves like to hurt people with sharp objects, not like just like guns <laughs> or like something yeah. like you know that that does it's something just like intense. something that. Yeah, probably in your face, <laughs> like literally with uh, is Tom Hiddleston there. <laughs> like he doesn't get stabbed in the face. Stabbed uh, him. No, Lucille. So McMichael arrives, Charlie Hannum's character, mm-hmm. and mm. he's like, "I'm taking you back to New York." Lucille mm. stabs him instead. <laughs> so, right. Well, when when he dies, though, when Tom Hiddleston dies. Oh, we just not at that part yet. Oh, no, no, this is where McMichael is dead, uh, is stabbed. Stabbed, right. But in a place it's not going to be lethal because they, like, have a little, like, understanding. He's like, where should I stab you? And he's like, right here. Oh, yes. Yeah. But at this point, Lucille's got a knife as well. Right. Mm -hmm. Edith has a knife. So... Everyone's armed, battle royale style. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So... Lucille and Edith are battling it out, aren't they? One second. Can you hear me? Yeah, sorry. My headphones are dead. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, Battle Royale at this point. Lucille and Edith are battling it out, <laughs> stabbing each other at this point. Edith, event, 
Yeah, which I thought was a really cool scene. Yeah, that was great. Great choreography. Yeah. Whoever did that, A+. plus. Not that yeah. I'm, you know, a judge of battle <laughs> and fighting choreography. You could literally do anything and I'd be like, that's impressive, I really like that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, it's just like it's a, it's a fight scene where you can see everything. Like you, you don't feel like it's just a bunch of nonsense. Like it, it's like yeah. you understand the geography of who's where, and it's just like a really well made sequence. I think, and it's not drawn out either. It's kind of like this is it, get it over and done with. Fight scene, people dead, done. Right, like that's it. And so Edith stabs Lucille, and basically gets in back into the house to rescue McMichael and the two escape in a horse and carriage and um, the ghosts of the Sharps are still in the house, which right. I thought was cool. Um, but he gets stabbed in the face though, right, Th- Thomas? Yes. Yes, yes, at some point, okay. Because that was Yeah, yeah, it was something yeah. sharp. It's always something sharp. It's like, yeah. Oh my God. Like, well, and then like, the, yeah, she's swiping at her with the scissors inside the elevator shaft. And it's, it's like, and you just know, and like, you know, iconic moments from other movies, like Pan's Labyrinth with the shavers or like- Oh like, yeah. And he is good at making you feel gross. Yeah, <laughs> unsettled. Kind of yeah. It's not just like, you know, you're going to, I don't know, like be choked or something. I mean, that would be disturbing as well. I mean, it's yeah. always disturbing. There's just something particular, like knowing your face is going to get cut. It's very. It's like the choice of violence that yeah. makes it really intense. Even though, like, there's a large portion of the movie that's more like creepy and ghost-like than violent. Those violent moments are some of the most memorable parts of the movie. They, yeah, because like, you're just like that was really intense and visceral, and but I liked it. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's all in the, like, it's pushing boundaries, but it's yeah. in the world. Like, I, I buy it. <laughs> but, I, mean, I, I <laughs> yeah, it's cool. It's really cool. Yeah, and then the film wraps up with Edith, who's written a book, because she always wanted to be an author. Um, she wrote ghost stories. Foreboding, if mm-hmm. not anything, um, about her experiences, <laughs> and she's called her book Crimson Peak. And I was just like, that's Imagine reading, I'd love to read this as a book. Yeah. Oh, I would. I would totally read it. would make a great book. It would <laughs> I mean, make an awesome book. <laughs> a lot of inspiration from, from, from books, it feels like, in, of, the, of the genre. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I was also thinking about, because you said, like, oh, she's gaslighting her. I was like, it does kind of feel like the movie Gaslight as well. Yeah. There are aspects that feel like Gaslight. And then there's another movie, too. I was thinking of I mean there's just like I don't know I, I just you could sense all these reference points that uh, you know feel in line with the movie even if they weren't necessarily references you just you just know he has such a vast like just bottomless pit of knowledge of movies and pop culture and books and yeah like, it's like of artwork and that's something in the exhibit that's really clear it's just like just the just insane amount of sources of information like he draws inspiration from and it's like that's, I, I'm a big, I'm a big believer that if you want to be a creative person as your profession, you should always, always be learning from various yeah. sources and not just movies, you know, but, um, or screenplays, you know, just anything that's striking to you that strikes a chord with you. And I feel like he's a great example of someone who has learned and soaked in knowledge. How does you know? he, where does he put it? Like, I try to learn because I was like, 
like I said, I, I'd love to be able to write short stories or write a script or, or even a book. It's how do I retain all that information? I, yeah, I don't know. I don't read a lot of horror. I read a lot of psychological thrillers. Oh, okay. Um, but I'm not a massive horror fan for reading just because the shit that I can make up in my head from stuff that I read. Yeah. I don't want to live through that. I'd rather just, I'll just watch a movie, please. Give me the visuals already. (laughs) So it's a less like, uh, I mean, like when I'm reading a book, it could take like, if it's a long book, it could take a long time. And then I'm like, oh, I'm going back into this really dark place like to read. And it's like going into my mind in a different way than like a two hour movie. Yeah, Um, exactly. You process it so differently. And I read um, like YA horror. Oh yeah, yeah, I find that that's a lot easier for me to digest and process rather than I've I've started reading some Stephen King again, and like I like I'm doing okay with it. I find his writing sometimes hard to read. Um, yeah, it depends on what I mean. I've been like more into some of his books than other books. Like, yeah. it depends on the characters, and then but every time there's a bad guy chapter, I get like very disturbed, and I have to like read two more chapters <laughs> to like get past like, it. There's always I'm something. Gonna, palate cleanse it's very yucky i was like i was on a five-hour flight and reading it and i've never read so much in my life i was like oh because sometimes when there's turbulence on a plane i can't um like read i get motion sick and so so i have to like watch yeah or something or listen to music but i couldn't it didn't even matter if there's turbulence on this plane because i was just like so glued to it (laughs) i've read like hundreds of pages of that book in one sitting and i like my neck was like bent (laughs) and the tsa person that went through my bag was like what if i took out this bookmark and i was like don't you dare (laughs) so mad like i I (laughs) I was so glued to this, like, every, I, I think that book is inc- an incredible accomplishment. Um, I mean, there's, you know, there's some weird things <laughs> in the book, yeah. but the, the ideas of, you know, the childhood and, and adulthood and what gets lost and all this stuff, I think it's just, like, an incredible piece of literature overall, thematically, um, and that's, like, one I, I love, but to, you know there's some other but I don't I don't like the same negative things but, you know but there's some other books that don't read that are maybe equal in length that maybe a tv show just came out of the same book uh, the stand okay I'm not a big oh, fan I, was like, uh, I haven't I haven't read and haven't watched that yet but I have heard a lot of people talking about it I'm reading the outsider at the moment oh I have is apparently so good and I'm just like oh, okay I haven't seen the show. I tried reading the first chapter of The Outsider multiple times and I like kept putting the book down. So I was like, I think I need to read this later. It's the same thing too though, where I'm yeah. just like, I read the first two chapters and I was like, Ugh. but now I'm into it and I'm like, oh, I'm really into this. And my oh. dad and my sister are like, oh, I want to watch The Outsider. I was like, you know, it's Stephen King, right? And they're like, yeah. I was like, so, you know, it's just like not a crime investigation TV show. It's not a crime procedural. It's not like a law and order uh, there's going to be supernatural things that happen. Like you're probably not going to enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's you know like I, I'm a I like most of everything I've. I mean I, I liked the stand okay, but like compared to it, it's like the other yeah. massive you know book of that size. Like I was not as into it. It was a little more like fantasy, I guess, or like it had some more like fantastical elements than, and it was a little bit more 
horror, I guess. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. But but I still liked the stand. It's not that I didn't like it, but it was just a little stranger than I thought I was anticipating. <laughs> but it's not bad. It's definitely not bad. But um, I do love, I love the dead zone. And okay. I love it. And I love the long walk. Those are my three favorites. Um, Mine is so Needful Things. Oh, I haven't read that one. I want to. So good. And um, I say this to everyone when I, if I talk about Stephen King on the podcast, do you read his books in a main accent or is that just me? <laughs> that's funny. I like that. Um, All the time. Like I will read it with a main accent and I'm just like, oh, I'm the guy from Pet Cemetery now. <laughs> that's, I mean, that works. Um, I, uh, yeah, did, um, I, I liked the, the new Pet Cemetery movie. I haven't watched it yet because I loved the original. So I'm just like, oh, oh wow. I don't want to watch the new one. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's, it's solid. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of about grief and stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's like a little bit of a, in some ways, kind of like a meditation on that. It really creeped me out too. I mean, it's, first one it's, was creepy. Yeah, yeah. It, it's solid. I mean, I think it's just, I think it's solid, um, but I, I do like, um, see, what, am, what am I reading now? Oh, I kind of alternate between like trying to like familiarize myself with more classic books that I haven't read yet. You know, like I, every, once a year I read like a Jane Austen book, you know, or something like that. And I'm trying to read Great Up Expectations right now. It's a little hard, difficult for me. <laughs> it's a really big and there's some language in it that I'm like, huh? Uh, like, What's that mean? <laughs> but, oh, because in a, uh, I was gonna say in a, in America, you wouldn't know a lot of older English, would you? Like the way I've that old English. It. Yeah, <laughs> See, we're really familiar with it. I don't know why. I think maybe <laughs> we. I studied it a lot at school. Like we mm -hmm. did a lot of like obviously Shakespeare, but we read a lot of like older books as well right. through school. And so old English to me is like. Sometimes I'll have to Google it and be like, what does that mean? But it's, you can kind of interpret it pretty easy. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's like, it's like clever. Like there'll be some yeah. kind of clever thing. And I'm like, I think he just said that that guy is drunk, but I'm not positive. Yeah. <laughs> that that was. Google really translate. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, I just try to like vary it. Like I'll read like one, I just will alternate like something that's fun and like airport book or something or something yeah. that's YA and something that's like a little bit more difficult <laughs> or like, well, this year I read like the To All the Boys I Love Before. Well, oh, yes. <laughs> My sister and I chewed through those books and They're then really the movies came out and we were just like in tears watching them. <laughs> and my sister's uh, like she likes to read more like biographies and autobiographies like oh. uh, non-fiction and so to see her come to my house and go through my bookcase and pick those books I was like what yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right That's I mean there especially like when I was you know at the beginning of the pandemic when things were dark around me like, it was like a very nice like kind of escape to read and, and I read Big Little Lies too and The Woman oh, in the cool. Window the, like those are all the I fun Oh, if you like the woman in the window, you would like, hold on, I've got it here. It's a book called Into the Water by Paula Hawkins. Oh, okay. It's so good. It's yeah, really I, good. I would, I just read Woman in the Window and I thought it was really fun. Like, I really wished I was like on a plane or on a beach or something reading this book because it was so immersive. Like, you know, I just read a couple chapters a day, it, you know, just to, well, the chapters are really short, but like, you know, but I could just see being on the beach for like an hour and just like, just like reading a lot of it. 
I'll wrap up the podcast and then I'll oh, give sure. you the name we of those went books. Way off That's of what crazy. editing's for. It's all good. <laughs> this because these episodes um, are going to come out in February for Women in Horror Month. So. Awesome. That's great. Well, I I feel I feel strange with Crimson Peak as my choice of a real particularly feminist. Hey, but she no. like, but like she said, doesn't she kind of save Charlie Hunnam at the end? Like he yeah. like he like bursts in, but he's like out of commission immediately. So <laughs> he gets great. stabbed basically straight away. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I made it to England, like stab, you know, <laughs> done. Um, <laughs> but solve the mystery. Nope. That is um but, you know, uh, Jessica Chastain and Mia W um, are, and they're, they're very, very compelling. And I mean, it's on the page to a degree, but I also think it's, it's them. It's them as these characters. And they're, yeah. they're, they're really, you know, people love to say, like, the first one they want to say when they think of a female character is strong. Like, she has to be strong. But and yes, she's not. Yeah, well, they're physically strong because they're fighting with... Yeah, but I mean, they kind of portray um, a different sense of femininity. Like, um, um, Lucille is very hostile and very protective and um, very maternal. Yeah. In a way. In a a creepy, incestuous way, way, but... (laughs) It's like it's like built into her romantic interest. It's like it's weird. Like they're 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 complicated people. They're they're dynamic. They're layered. They're it's they're they're fully fleshed out people. They're not just like I'm a strong like lady, independent woman, a man. Yeah, <laughs> like there are these like things that people like to just associate with women in horror movies. Yeah, these, these are characters that are fully fleshed out people that are like much more the the driving force of the movie than even Tom Hiddleston who's also yeah. like a performer in the movie and Charlie Hunnam like but those guys like side characters get, to this whole thing yeah they get they get uh stabbed they <laughs> yeah yeah they're they're um you know the the women are are I feel like really big driving forces like there's the force that's kind of the, the butterfly and the force that's the moth and tom hiddleston and charlie hunnam are caught in the middle but like and the yeah. dad you know they're not the people oh, that are dad. kind of driving <laughs> the, the story so in a way very very interesting complicated women characters yeah absolutely uh, not, not a not a woman director sadly but del toro is amazing it's del toro. <laughs> yeah very very great you know uh, important filmmaker of our of our time so right. hopefully that was my justification for picking yeah, no i i was just like okay female protagonist on it i mean yeah it. you're a female director yourself so incredibly important yeah I, I i'm very inspired by um all sorts of women in the film industry other directors and writers and producers and actresses and um costume designers and production designers like i i'm just I, there should just be more women everywhere yes. in film and it should hopefully make it so that there's not just this like there's the women and then there's the directors. <laughs> it should be we're all directors because things are equal and you don't just hire women to make Wonder Woman and like you make you hire women to make Captain America too like they can women can direct everything like I mean it's I, I think Patty Jenkins is a, is a great director, and but it's not a slight to anything like that. It's just more like, you know, hire women all the time, <laughs> like yeah. half the time, half the population, half the time. <laughs> like, and like not just it. for your diversity points. 
yeah exactly not not for points for just being like just you know to be a normal normal business yeah like that it was it was so interesting to hear that thing because it's like you know women are not are represented in our pop culture kind of through the lens of men in a lot of ways more than we realize and it's it, it it's just important to be represented by you know women you know writing and directing and and producing and and kind of being in in the chair more so than just being through the lens of, of men's view of women you know like, but it's cool men for me. <laughs> huh it's a big yikes for me <laughs> Wait, what like um if we only ever had like views of women through the lens of men <laughs> Oh, yes, yes. I don't like that. No, no, no. Um, but, but it's, you know, it's just a lot of our culture has been built upon that. You know? And it's no like, no doubt about that at all. And so. that's what I'm coming to realize a little bit more. And, and I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> like, we oh. need more women like writing these things, and especially in horror, like, yeah, just more women. Uh, and it's, and it's not the fault of women it, and it's not it's not it's like these subconscious things that have happened over time hopefully i'm just gonna give the industry the benefit of the doubt there for a second but like hopefully just moving forward we can do more to you know not just for points but to just show more perspectives from from everybody yeah. not just gender you know different just not straight white men exclusively yeah. That's <laughs> Let's get more perspectives behind the camera so we can have more interesting, great, beautiful stories. Absolutely. That's it. I really like that. That's so <laughs> <Yeah>. nice. <laughs> okay, I'll quickly do my outro. So thank you to my wonderful guest, Emily. Please don't forget to check out Scare Package, which is now streaming on Shutter exclusively. And yes, available in Australia for only like $5 a month. Heaps of horror. All the kind of stuff. Uh, where can we find you online? I am uh, at Cheesy Nuggets, kind of everywhere. Twitter, Instagram. Cheesy um, I love that. When I found you on Instagram, I was like, I hope this is her. <laughs> yeah, I, that was, you know, I made a production company when I was 12. Thought of something it. silly. Registered it at the bank. <laughs> That's my name. I love sure. it. Um, yeah. Awesome. All right. Um, so don't forget, you can find TGIF on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at TGIF Pod. If you love the podcast, please subscribe, rate, leave a review on iTunes. Uh, yeah. So you've been listening to TGIF. Until next time. <laughs>